Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Amen. Good morning. I'm holding a helmet that has provided protection for me for my motorcycle days. You know, ever since driving my my brother's Honda 90 on the back roads of Nova Scotia at a young and tender age to... uh, to more recent years, uh, riding my Goldwing. You say, has it ever protected you so much that it saved your life? Well, I can think of a couple of times where it probably did. But I can tell you for sure that Jesus has a helmet for you that will give you protection for all of eternity. Yeah, exactly. See, we are in a titanium series where we realize that when we put on what's called in Ephesians 6 of the New Testament, uh, the, the armor of God, that we are basically spiritually bulletproof. But why would we have to put on the helmet of salvation? Why do we need to put on salvation? I mean, most of us understand it this way, that we, we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, and when we did, we received his forgiveness, we received his salvation. It's a done deal. We don't need to keep putting it on. So why would the Bible say to take the helmet of salvation, to put it on again and again? Uh, well, Basically, theologians debate this, (laughs) and probably the best way to see what the Scripture says right here in the middle is to look at some of the extremes people go to for their own reasons, but hyper-Calvinism is the phrase that's used to describe people that just basically say, once you're saved, you're always saved. When you open your heart up to Jesus, you receive him. He stays there. You could live however you, selfishly you wanted. You could turn away from God. And you're once saved, always saved. Uh, then there's another extreme. Hyper-Arminianism is the theological phrase that could be used to describe it. It's at the polar opposite end of this salvation spectrum. And it basically says that every time you mess up, You need to get saved all over again, you know. You messed up, you tainted your salvation, you need to go back to square one. And and that's, of course, extreme. Uh, Hyper-Arminianism, some of you who know old hymns of the church, (laughs) you know, they say the the Arminian hymn is, there's a new name written down in pencil. And so we've got these two extremes that are there, but the scriptural truth is, watch this, God doesn't force any one of us to follow him and to keep following him. He talked about those who turned away even in his own time. And uh, so God's not going to force us to go to heaven or to live for him or just because we prayed one day and and we decide to turn away. He's not going to force that on us. But listen, it's also true that all of us, even the most sincere and perfect among us, 
the most devoted follower of Jesus, we still stumble and fall along this path of righteousness, don't we? We have this phrase, no one's perfect. It's true. Only Jesus is perfect. And that's why we, we need him in our lives. But watch this. When I'm following Jesus, however many times I stumble and fall, the blood of Jesus Christ just continuously cleanses me from all sin. Do you see that? And so that's what Scripture teaches. So we've got an amazing salvation here, comprehensive coverage for our past, present, and future. You say, show me some Bible verses to back that up. All right, let's look at them. Our past, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, all right? So what happens? We open our life to Jesus and we're cleansed, we're forgiven. The debt that he paid for our sin on the cross is applied to us personally and individually at that moment. What about our future? Our future. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of any change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power, watch this now, until you receive this salvation. So we, there's something of salvation we have not yet received. It is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. All right, so there's salvation, coverage for our past, coverage for our future. What about the present? The present, continue to work out your salvation, Scripture says. Do you remember Jesus told his followers here on earth, he said, when you pray, pray, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. And so deliverance is something, salvation, rescuing is something that we continuously need in this lifetime. Now, salvation, it's helpful just to look at what does salvation even mean when you take it from the languages that the Bible was written in, Hebrew and Greek. Salvation means to be delivered from, all right, delivered from what would damage me, what messes me up, to be delivered from sin, rescued continuously from that. So that's the present, past, present, and protected until we saw that when the Apostle Peter wrote about that. It's in heaven, it's protected beyond the reach of decay and change, protected for you. So salvation means to be delivered, rescued, and protected. So basically then, the bottom line is, until you and I see Jesus face to face, we are going to need to put on the helmet of salvation. All right, illustration time. Canada is experiencing a lot of uh, uh, forest fires, wildfires right now. It reminded me of how people who were traveling out to settle the western Canada and were traveling through the prairies, and they would see in the distance that dreaded (laughs) damage potential filled prairie fire coming at them in the distance. Do you know what they would do when they would see the, the, the smoke and the flames in the distance? You know what they would do? They would go out and start a fire. They'd start a fire right close to where they were traveling and they would let it burn and then they'd get on the side where the wind would blow it in a certain direction. They'd go on the other side and they'd get right into the place where the fire had already burned because there was no more fuel there. And then when that dreaded, damaging, uh, horrific uh, prairie fire 
came to them, it actually swept around them because, listen to this now, they were standing where the fire had already been. That's exactly what you and I do when we stand in Jesus Christ. His forgiveness that he brought for us on the cross. We, we, we are saved because we are standing where sin has already been dealt with. Jesus paid for it. So when we stand in the salvation of Christ, we're standing where the fire has already been. Now, what does the helmet of salvation protect us from? You know, we've been seeing in this titanium series that we're spiritually bulletproof from, from lies because we, uh, we, are at, we have the belt of truth, you know? Uh, false accusations come at us, but when they hit us, we have the breastplate of Christ's righteousness to protect us. Uh, confusion comes our way, we wear the shoes of peace. Doubts come our way, we use the shield of faith. The helmet of salvation protects us from what? From deception. From deception. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to already saved followers of Jesus, all right? So they, they have been saved in their past, but he writes to them and he says this, but I am afraid that just as Eve, remember Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, we're going to revisit and see exactly how Adam and Eve were deceived. I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, how can a follower of Jesus ever be de How could you and I ever be deceived? He says the same way that Adam and Eve were deceived. First of all, the deception of reduction. Let's look at how the enemy of, of God that goes after the image of God in our lives to try and destroy it. Let's look at how he tries to reduce Eve, all right, and Adam. He basically says this. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. Notice how it goes from any <laughs> to only. You know, any to only. Trees to tree. From abundance to smallness. That's the, you see, that's the agenda of the deceiver in your life and my life. To try and reduce us from the greatness that God has for our life and try and get us into the smallest version of a human being possible. That's exactly what his agenda is. You know, how I hate how the deceiver... You know, I, listen, in my over 40 years of pastoring, some of my saddest moments have been engaging with people, and I can see their potential. Others, I'm sure, can see it. They, are, they could be giving so much to others. They have talents. They have gifts. They have opportunities. They have so much to give to life and to others and to feel fulfilled themselves because of that way that they would make a meaningful contribution during this lifetime. And yet they are, they are reduced. They are reduced. They, they struggle with self-doubt. 
or insecurity. So they don't want to put themselves out there because they're just shriveled up with insecurity. Anxiety and depression and even mental illness can paralyze them so that whatever potential they have, it can't get out there. They're deceived and they're told by the deceiver, you're crippled, you'll always be that way, you'll always be less than, you'll always be paralyzed in your life, you're just going to waste your potential that you could have. You know, I was researching and saw from Josh McDowell Ministries who says their research shows that 75% of teenage girls with low self-esteem report engaging, 75% report engaging in negative activities like cutting Bullying, smoking, drinking, you know, sexual activities that are not healthy, disordered eating, compared to 25% of girls with a healthy sense of self-esteem. They value themselves. Listen to me today. Listen to me. Whatever age you are, you have a Savior that left heaven to pay for all the wrongs you had done because he wanted to give you a second chance at living for God, the life that you were intended to live by God before Adam and Eve started what we have seconded and, and went thirded and fourth. And every one of us have gone our own way. He has come to say, I'm going to pay for those damages. I value so much that I'm willing to give my life so that you can live in my presence forever, in the life that God intended for you. Oh, you you have a Savior. Listen, in the name of Jesus today, be delivered from a deception. Those voices, those lies. Be delivered from smallness. Put on the helmet of salvation and stand with confidence saying, I have a God who loves me. He gave his life for me. He values me that much. What everyone everyone else says or thinks about me, I am valuable to the creator of the universe. He has a plan for my life, and I'm going to stand in Jesus Christ's love. I'm going to stand where the fire has already been. It's another way that uh, Adam and Eve were deceived, and you and I get deceived that way too, and that is the deception of misrepresentation. Look at this. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. This is Eve talking. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. This has got to be the first recorded human case of FOMO. I mean, God's holding out on you. What he says about love and goodness, that's not true. He just doesn't want you to be like him. He, he, he's holding out on you. You're missing out. <laughs> really, spiritually, you, na- you need to take your, your spiritual beliefs in your own hands Don't trust God. Be the master of your own faith. Be the master of your own faith. You know, that's one of the biggest systems of belief that people follow in the Western world in 2021. They just basically say, I'm, it's called syncretism. They don't call it that, but basically they practice it. What they do is they say, I'm, I'm about uh, the purpose of life. I believe this. About my past, I believe that. About the afterlife, I believe this. And, and so often what they'll do is they'll look at 
all the different religions, Christianity included, and they may take something Jesus says, Buddha says, Mohammed says, uh, Confucian, uh, you know, uh, Gandhi, they just and mix it all together, and they, they just come up, this is what I believe. Um, you know, I remember a guide that we had when we were visiting biblical sites in the land of the Bible, in the Middle East, and he, uh, he would just do this narrative about the history and the archaeology of a certain location, biblical references, and he, he would just so often end by saying, but it doesn't matter what you believe. What matters is what you believe in your own heart. And I had to talk to him because that was malarkey. That's the Irish word for malarkey, <laughs> for nonsense. And because the problem with it, you become the one that decides what is true, even if it's not true. And so I told them, listen, don't tell our people anything that is not historically verified or archaeologically proven. And if the Bible says something about it, just, just say what the Bible says about it. You know, see, when we put self at the center, and it's just what I believe in my own heart, do you know what you end up? That, see, self ends up with selfishness, self-centeredness. And that's how even religions can end up with greed and power-hungry people in the hierarchy, look down on others, think of uh, Canada's residential school history, look down, you're not as valuable because you don't believe what I believe. Religions do that. Religions are an attempt to say, I, my religion's better than your religion. But religions are attempts, aren't they? To just reach out to God to save ourselves, to live according to these traditions of religion or these uh, teachings of a religion and, and be a more righteous person. And we try to save ourselves. You know, if you put self at the center, you end up taking a prayer like, you know, St. Francis of Assisi, ever heard of him? Centuries ago, but did these prayers so God-centered. Someone just took one and they, they, they sort of reversed it over to self-centered. You know, St. Francis of Assisi said, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Someone you know, put self at the center. God grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway, the good fortune to run into the ones I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. Just all of you know, nothing about truth or God, just others. It's just all about themselves. So listen, the announcement at Christmas got it right. They Mary and Joseph, earthly parents of Jesus, were told you will call his name Yeshua in Hebrew, Jesus, for he will save, or rescue, deliver. He will save his people from their sins. And Jesus came as a result of a whole lot of prophecies. Matter of fact, God told Adam and Eve way back then, God said to the woman, he says, there's going to come another one born of a woman <laughs> who's going to crush the serpent's head. He's going to reverse the curse. And all throughout, that's what the Old Testament's about. It's saying, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And you come to uh, Isaiah, and watch how Isaiah talks about the arrival of the Messiah to a world that's lost its way. That They have lots of religions at the time, lots of belief systems, but they've lost their way. And Isaiah 49, verse 9 says, We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. 
Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. We look for justice, but find none. For deliverance, but it is far away. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased. There was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. The Redeemer will come to Zion and 700 years later in the fullness of time, Jesus showed up. The Redeemer did come to Zion. The Savior of all humans on planet Earth has arrived. And Jesus died and rose from the dead. One of the eyewitnesses represented Jesus well when he stood up one day and said, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Now, that's not claiming that Jesus' religion is better than any religion that you have grown up with. That's not what's being said here at all. Jesus did not come to bring another religion. He came to bring salvation to every human being, whatever their religious background. The world has many religions, but the world only has one Savior. There's only one that has left heaven to come searching for you. His name is Jesus. There's only one that gave his life for you because he wanted you to have eternal life with him forever. There's only one who paid for all the wrongs that you had done so they they could be drowned in a sea of crimson. And there's only one who is coming back for you. Listen to me. Listen to me, dear one. If you can find anyone that is more trustworthy, who has done more for you than Jesus, you go follow them. If you can find any religion where you know that you have forgiveness of sins because somewhere in that religion, someone has paid the price so your sins could be forgiven, you follow that religion. If you know of anyone who is going to come back for you and bring you into eternal life in heaven with him forever, you go ahead and follow that one. You go ahead and trust them. If not, trust Jesus. He is your Savior. No one has done for you to take care of what would keep you from God and cleanse it away and open up heaven so that you could be with the God you were intended to live for forever. No one has done that for you. Only Jesus. Be rescued from the deception of misrepresentation about God. Put on the helmet of salvation. All right, there's a third deception that Adam and Eve and you and I experienced, the deception of misdirection. Let's look at how it happens. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. At that moment, Adam and Eve, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame. (laughs) See, that's the agenda of the deceiver. It says they felt shame, they hid from God, they ran from him, and they experienced death. They were lied to. They were deceived. 
And it's the, 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 the devil is always trying to destroy the good that God has for you because he's trying to get what rightfully belongs to God for himself. That's his agenda. The last couple of weeks, the front page news has included uh, pictures of billionaires Richard uh, Branson and Jeff Bezos returning from their space flights where they were confined to those spacesuits. CBSN reported their they're selling about three minutes of weightlessness, three minutes of weightlessness, and flights out of the atmosphere for 10 minutes, and hope to get the price for you and me to be able to do the same down to $250,000. Richard Branson came back speaking of a much grander human destiny. So, let's look at it for what it is here. Physical weightlessness for three minutes at a cost of a, you know, your vacation budget, right? A quarter of a million US. All within the confines of a claustrophobic, uh, confining spacesuit to handle the out-of-the-atmosphere conditions. And then you return to the sin-broken life on Earth to inevitably die. What about this? What about a life that's free from the weight of sin and brokenness forever? In an eternal life, fully paid for by the Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross. What about returning with him to a new heaven and a new earth in a glorious body like his own that was designed to handle the very presence of God that you were intended to live in? And all you need to wear is the helmet of salvation. Okay, but, but that's so good. But let's get back to earth now. Let's get back to earth. Because what are we going to do before we get to our destiny? The apostle Peter, remember he told us already that, that, that we're going to receive this salvation? Remember these verses? God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. Very next words. So be truly glad. We are, Peter, there is wonderful joy ahead, hallelujah, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. So in the meantime, back on earth, <laughs> and no doubt the deceiver is working right now to deceive you, to deceive me. We, we all go through times where, where it's just like the deception is there. He, he, no doubt he's trying to reduce you for to something less than God wants you to be. He, he's misrepresenting God and mixing beliefs and religions and, 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 and Jesus is somewhere in the mix. Maybe he's misrepresenting your, you, uh, misdirecting you so that you don't reach the destination that Jesus died to bring you. You know, I, I want to say today, don't, don't be misled don't be misdirected. Don't be deceived. Listen to how Paul says it. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to Christians in Rome, he says, he says this. Let me just read it. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Now, let's look at that next verse. That's so good. Look at this. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. You know, I, I told those that were with us a few weekends ago that during COVID, you know, some bad things happened, losses in family, but a highlight for my wife and I, 
a little granddaughter. We have four grandsons. That were finally, a little granddaughter. But we couldn't hold her. We couldn't, you know, even get close to her. As a matter of fact, the best that we could do was uh, see her through this patio door of my son's place. Look at me with my my COVID hair. Um, and but my son wrote back about this picture. He says, he says, it's like your, it's like Eleanor. That's their daughter, our little granddaughter. It's like Eleanor's in your hearts. <laughs> and and, and, and that, it's like that with Jesus, isn't it? You have him in your heart, but it's like you're going FaceTime with him. You're not really right there. Can you imagine what it would be like seeing Jesus face to face? Let's look at the rest of that verse. Oh no, well actually, look at this. This is what it's like to go face to face with someone that you love. <laughs> Let's look at this verse. Now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Oh, don't be misled. You have a Savior that cleanses you from your past, has this future in heaven for you, but he says, trust me now in your present. Put on the helmet of salvation. Oh, until we see him face to face with all that joy and peace and perfection, let's put on the helmet of salvation. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of declaration that allows us to do just that. Jesus, thank you for providing such a comprehensive salvation that delivers me from my past, rescues me in the present, and protects my future. Whenever the deceiver attempts to reduce me to less than what you say I am, I will stand in the cross right where the fire has already been. Whenever he tries to misrepresent you, I'll remember the cross and how much you love me. Whenever he tries to mislead me, I'll find my way wearing the helmet of salvation. Whatever trials I face this week, and until I see you face to face, I'll stand strong in the one and only eternal salvation. Amen and hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.